Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Let's worship everywhere. Come on, hands lifted up.
Give God some praise. Come on. Come on, open up for a moment. Come on, open up for a moment. Come on, give them. Come on, come on. This is here. Somebody high five and tell them Jesus is all right with me. <laughs> God is so amazing, isn't he? Thank you, sweetheart. Would you tell just tell Jordana you love her? Yeah, she's so precious. Stand up, little old Charlie. Stand up and wave at folks so they can see you. This is Charlie. So grateful that they came. Very, very grateful. Listen, let's go to the word of the Lord. I want to say to my uh, my friends and family on tonight, and sitting on the front row, that we get a chance to see each other every now and then. Um, the hearts are always the same. It's always wonderful. Uh, we have some amazing, amazing prophets. Thank you. Praise God. And so we're just grateful to all for all of them. How many of you know Pastor Josh is powerful, right? Yeah. Right. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know that, right? Anyone that can see a vision this far and join with um, the vision here in Alaska, I mean, to really have a heart to um, do whatever was necessary to bring this to pass and to work with whatever tools that God gave him. I, I have to, listen, I am so grateful that he is a leader of such. And I think I want us to just take a moment right now for Dr. Morocco and Pastor Josh and, of course, the Morocco family. I think we should really, really show them that we love them and appreciate them. Would you do that? Thank God. Thank God. They're amazing. Listen. He is, they are, and, of course, Pastor Shannon preached this morning, and it was crazy amazing, and I love them so much. I really honor them and thank God for them, the Morocco family, and all those that are up here, and my, my, little, my little short brother, Hodges. Uh, my goodness, he was kneeling, praying the other night, and I looked around. He was on his knees. He was still taller than me. I was going, what kind of? My dad used to tell me, Robert, on your knees, you're taller than trees. I said, I guess so. I just... But he, they are so amazing, so anointed. I love them so much, of course, with the Fang, Pastor Robert, Prophet Robert, and the creatures. What can I say about them? They are, like, amazing as well. I love them so much. I always take time, as you know, when, when I'm here, to always say thank you because we see each other about once a year or so. The Hammonds, who I love dearly, I love them. They have been, they have rescued. Um, so it's a long story, but they were really a part of God's way of rescuing one of our babies, and then the Gannons, who I love so much, who will be with us in a few weeks. I love them so much. Appreciate everybody. And I can't even talk much about Missionary Hepner and my dear, beloved prophet, Donahue. I just, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, let's go to the Word, please. If I missed you, forgive, it, forgive me. And I have to tell you right before I go into Scripture, it's Pastor, I'm t listen, Pastor Bracken, You, your speech is like I am. Some of you going, you know, that is true. Pastor Bracken, I don't know what to say about him. He is probably one of the most purest um, when it comes to the things of God that I know, both of them, that they just want God. That's, they don't care about anything else. They simply want God to invade Alaska and to do whatever he wants to do. And when I say I love y'all, y'all know I don't have to say it, but y'all already know. You knows it. You knows that I love you. Would y'all please come on, show them your love. What a visionary. They are in an amazing place. Come on, y'all. Show them you love them. Oh, man. And Hannah and Daniel, Hannah, you're so beautiful. Good to see you, honey. So great to see you. I appreciate her. Appreciate you so much. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. There's so much we want to talk about. Um, I have 40 minutes, and I'm going to use every bit of that 40 minutes and try not to steal anything else. Um, 
in terms of time, that is. I want to talk to you about something really, really simple, but I feel it so strong in my heart because it's all a setup. And I, I want to first just start with this. Uh, there's something that's fighting the message. And please hear me. The devil don't want your car. He ain't sent your car. He ain't after your car. If it can irritate you, he'll mess with that. But he's really not after your car, your house, and all. That's just crazy. I, you know, people give the devil so much credit. Um, I'm, I'm just saying. I, you know, people wake up, can't find their shoes. The devil stole my shoes. I mean, it just. You met people like that. Everything is about demons and devils. Girl, I couldn't even find my my toothbrush. The devil took my toothbrush and my false teeth too. He just he walking around. <laughs> It's kind of go like, I mean, some people, they spend a lifetime glorifying the devil. I mean, the devil is so big and bad and whatever. He, listen, God thought so little of him. In the Old Testament, you only read about six to eight verses about him. You see his trail of destruction, but God doesn't think of him the way we do. And so for God to transform our mind, of course, we have perimeters, we understand it, we get it, we don't go in darkness, we don't play in darkness. While some is playing in darkness, they forget demons live there. So we stay out of those things. We try to be very, very careful to hear what Jesus has to say. But I, I'm just saying that God, God is doing something amazing in the way that we think. And if you notice John the Baptist, one of his messages, the greatest message of John the Baptist was what? Repent. For the kingdom of God, come on, said, is at, you can say it out better than that, repent for the kingdom. Yeah. And so, it, you, you know, he didn't say be sorry, sorry about something. He said, listen, I want you to repent. I need you to turn. And you'd be surprised the different things that God uses just to get us to turn. And it's not just a turn because in the Hebrew, when you talk, when you talk about repentance, it's not just turning, it's turning to. It's who you turn to when you turn. You're turning to God. And so the thought is that John's message centered around dealing, if you can just imagine that, his message centered around people, you need a change of mind. It's not, it's not natural for you to think um, the, of God the way that God is calling you to think of him. So he's, he's preaching repentance. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say some things that might hurt some of your feelings. I'm asking you now. I mean, if I hurt your feelings and I'm preaching the truth, I just want you to know from the depths of my heart, I don't care. Um, uh, I mean, may the truth set you free, but, but the idea is understanding the power of repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7 chapter, he says, listen, there's a sorrow of the world that leads only to death. The sorrow of God, when God begins to trouble your conscience, it leads you to something called repentance and then deliverance or salvation. Soteriology teaches that very strong because God is not wanting you to repent, to turn to something else to save you. He's the only one that can save you. So when he moves up on us to repent, I mean, if you're just a mean wife or a husband and God is dealing with you about repentance, he's wanting you to turn to him so he can help you deal with that hubby of yours that have you praying 24 seven. He wants you to turn to him because he knows you're going to need grace, right? How many of y'all know when I, oh, you're not married. I forgot there's no married people here. You've never needed your mind changed about your wife or your husband. You smell those feet, you know you need God to do something in your mind to turn. So, so it's, just, it's a matter of God dealing with us about this principle is that God wants us to turn. Say that with me, please to turn. So God, God is trying to help us understand the power of your message. Your message is not just to come to a building. The whole thing centers around the message of the gospel and to empower you all, us, to preach because the power is not in the speaker. I assure you, there's nothing about me that can help you outside of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the what? The, the power lies in the gospel. So it's important for you to understand that the enemy hates your message. He don't care about your shoes. He don't care. I assure you, that weave you got, he, he don't care about that. Sometimes it's unbelievable, but that, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about your habits and your issues. What he cares about is when you believe the gospel enough that it begins to turn the way you're thinking I've often wondered why that we praise God so little in church. That's always disturbed me. 
It's always disturbed me when people get, they grow up and they, they're, so, they, they're so spiritual. They don't have to lift their hands with everybody. They don't have to worship. They have their own way. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have our own because we all have personalities. But can you imagine if Jesus walked in this place right now, right this moment, walked down the aisle, I assure you, you wouldn't be sitting like that. And I assure you, your worship would be altogether different. So to get our eyes and our heart, because the enemy comes to pervert our imagination about Jesus. Talk to me for a minute. All right? So it's like God is dealing with us. And I know you're real deep and spiritual. Some of you, I get it. I know you float. Some of you, you know, we got to put on skin diving suit just to get to you. But that, that's not the point. The point is we can pretend to be so spiritual that we miss the things that are important to God. The very fact that God would summons you in Alaska. You're not just here. He summons you to be here. You are his people. I mean, he paid for you. Look at somebody telling me, you paid for. You didn't say that loud? Listen, tell somebody, you're paid for. Like, like he purchased. You are his personal possession. Very important. So we carry our message with great, with great fear. Tremendous fear that people would hear the gospel and we wouldn't interfere with that. We wouldn't get in the way with that. We, won't, we don't want our lifestyles to get in the way. I mean, you can't talk about how much you love God and you smoking weed like I don't know what. Got, got those weed lips. You know, you know, some of you walk around with those bubble lips and don't want nobody to say nothing. We know you smoking weed, Charlie. We get it. But it's like God, God, God is, did I hurt your feelings? Just wait until the rest of the message. So, but, but, ushers, lock the door, please. Lock the door, ushers, ushers. If you get up and leave, we know it's you, Mr. Weed Smoker. So, it's like, we know that God is after us, right? And so it is the message of the gospel that pricks the heart and the conscience. And God uses the conscience as a tool sometime for a specific kind of sorrow. People that believe that God is not in the sorrow-making business don't know God very well. God will mess you up. Read my black lips. He will mess you up. Don't ever think that God saves you for someone else. And when we're off and out of tune and out of harmony with him, you can feel in every real saint, you can, something happens when you're saved. You can't just live any kind of way when you're saved. Talk to me for a minute. You can't just think any kind of way when you're saved. Because when you grieve the Holy Spirit, something happens in your spirit. Lift your hand up if you know what I mean. Because some of us, we get out of church and just go through a drive-thru and cuss people out because they didn't put no cheese on your Big Mac. And God, and, oh, oh. Maybe that was the Lord dealing with me about somebody here. No, maybe it wasn't McDonald's. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was Dairy Queen. <laughs> so there's a, there's a move of God, and the move of God is not for you to just come and treat the church like a circus. It's not for us to just, I'm telling you, it is God is dealing with us to turn. Say it out loud, to turn. Shout it again, to turn. The way you treat your children, I get to the message in a moment. The way you treat your children, the way you talk to each other, the way you love each other, these little small issues and stuff that your mind is stuck like you're in cement. And God is trying to get you to turn the way you see each other. You, you should be more compassionate, more caring. If the only time you're compassionate towards somebody is for them to, you know, I called you the other day and you didn't call me back and they have to come and say, well, you know, I've got a horrible, and you have an attitude too. And well, you know, I, had, I went to the doctor and they told me I had cancer. Oh, it, cancer shouldn't have to be the trigger for you to have compassion on someone. Something real bad should not be the trigger, right? I'm really glad that Jesus, he had compassion on us. So it is turning these things that we don't think count. But if the prophetic, if the revival is, is going to be a sustainable revival, please hear me. It cannot be sustained off mechanical type of Christians. There has to be something you give God to deal with. You've got to give him something to work with. It has to be more than what I want. And, you know, God is my Santa Claus. It has to be more than him being your sugar, your sugar daddy. It, it has to be more involved in the relationship between you and God. And you're going to find every day of your life God is going to deal with you not only to turn but stay turned. Not only to do but keep on doing. Not only to ask, but keep on asking. Not only to seek, but keep on seeking. He's like really dealing with us. The way we treat, some of us, please don't get mad, but some of us, we talk to our children like, I don't know what. 
scream, yell at them, stupid, get over here. You know, I mean, you, you call them stupid so many times they think their name is stupid. They won't even respond to you with their name. You say stupid, yes ma'am. Talk to your wife like you ain't got no sense. Go in the house all moody and stuff. Act like you have some issues every month. Pastor Daniel told me to say it. So what, what happens is, so what happens is, don't you even dare. Don't, don't you dare. Because I'm going to have to tell them what you told me, Pastor Joshua. So all of these mood things going on, some of us are jealous, insecure. You're a woman jealous, you're all jealous of your husband. You didn't have to take that long to sit there and talk to her. You use over there too long. It don't take that long. You're acting like, why are you acting all jealous? You don't even want them. It's just like all of these different things going on, right? So I'm just saying. And so God is trying to build you to be healthy, which is going to demand that we say the word, turn. Say it out loud. To do what? To turn. I know some of us are traumatized in our past, and God's trying to get you to what? Because you can't heal trauma. You can only manage that until you put it in the hands of God. And when you think of this the way God thinks of it, you will do what? And the enemy hates to see a turning nation. He hates to see a people that will turn. Some of you right now, your greatest pain is not because God's mean and mad. And he's, don't monsterize God because he has you in a situation that he's trying to get you to what? That's the message. The message is not you coming in, somebody laying empty hands on your empty head, you fall out and spit or get up and run and these poor ushers are trying to throw blankets on you. It's, it's more than that. God wants a church that when he says move, they what? They move. When God says turn, when he says repent, I don't care how you're used to doing your thing, it's not about you, it's about him. So we got to get it fixed because I assure you, God loves nobody more than he loves himself. Did that shock you? He loves no one more than he loves himself. He loves no one more than he loves his own glory. So you know God's not training you for his glory. You know that, right? You know you can't alter him. That's why when we talk about his presence, you can't have the presence of God without having the nature of God. When we worship God and we bless God, we need to understand his nature. And he knows us. He sees us. He's compassionate. He's dealing with it. He loves us so much. So there's no sickness, no issue, no problem, no enemy. There's no shadow. There's nothing that's greater than his nature. So when you lift your hands up and you worship, this is the reason why worship service needs to be so intense, so intense that you forget everything. God, your nature, you're here by nature. You don't, it's not no partial God service. You get part of God. It's not, that's not how it works. He didn't even partially buy you. He didn't put you like on the and say, I'll come back and get the rest later. He bought you, and listen to Acts 20, with his own personal blood, he purchased the church. So there's a great need for us to see why God is turning and why the enemy will do anything to keep you stuck in your ways. I know some people that in, in different cultures of ministry, I'm going to get my verse in a minute. Don't rush me. It's the last night. Don't, don't, let, don't let my thug come out now. So it's like... So like, you know, it's like God is like dealing with us really heavy to bring us to a place because I know cultures, they won't turn. I know organizations, they will not turn. They're fixed. I know people that refuse. They don't understand the language of today. It's more than just trying to be prevalent. We need the presence of God to intervene today. Lift both hands up and say, God, thank you for your anointing. So he's dealing with us in our homes, our marriages, our relationships, our friendships, Everything he's dealing with. How many of you are grateful for that though, right? How many of you are grateful that God is turning that toe up mine of yours? Put your hand up. No, no. You know our minds is a trip. So in Isaiah, I want us to read this real simple. Real simple. Because the enemy is after your message. I assure you, he's not after your truck, your car, your tires. I understand he'll use anything to frustrate you. But listen to me. There's nothing more beautiful. Listen to Isaiah. And let's read this real quickly. 52 and 7. Real simple passage. How beautiful up on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes, listen to this, salvation, who says to Zion, your God 
reigns. Say it out. Your God. So the good news, the peace and the salvation that we share is very important. The enemy did not, listen to me please, he did not care about the cement and the dirt and the metal and the steel and the wood and the carpet. He didn't care about that. He's not after that. He's after your message. He hates the fact that he's got, that God has a pastor here that was strung out. New York, you heard his testimony? His life was shattered. Then God saves him and puts a message in his mouth. And the Holy Spirit begins to perfect him to where he begins to embrace every part of that message. That message now is one with his soul. That message is what he'll die for. The message is what he's after. See, some of us, you don't get it. This is why testimony is so important to God. Testimony is important. Now, I know Pastor Daniel, he notices everything about me. I had a piece of, a piece of something on my tie, and he got a knife and cut out the thread. He looked at me and said, hmm, I noticed you've been gaining weight lately. I didn't want him to notice that, but he, he noticed that. His eyes see, he feels, and particularly for people that he loves, he is absolutely committed to the people that he loves. In other words, the message changed everything, his senses. Everything about it changed him. The word that he was one time in his life way out, could not be rescued, then God took a message to him. He believed that message. This is the reason why pulpits can't be filled with a bunch of politicians and just give a bunch of little sweet messages and we just go home, a bunch of Christianettes got a preacher at and you, when you're done, you just go home. I'm tired of seeing people ice skate into church and knock the frost off the pews and Brother Polar Bear get up and say the same thing you've been saying 20 years. There's gotta be change. And we need God to turn our hearts because God is coming. He's coming after your heart. He's coming. I know some of us think that we really have served him, but I've got to tell you, he's coming after your heart so you can do more. You should never think of getting older in God and doing less. How are you going 50 years old? You're older than Adam, and you're doing less than you did back when. Now, I mean, it doesn't work. God empowers us. Are you all hearing me? Are you hearing me? He empowers us. So God begins to say some cotton. Um, Matthew said something that I thought, um, Mayhart said something that I thought was interesting. The great design of preaching is to restore the throne and dominion of God in the souls of men. God hates your message. Hates your message. When God begins to deal with us, then you understand then that the keynote in the mouth of every prophet and every preacher, whether it is in Isaiah or if it's in modern times, the keynote is God reigns. That's the keynote. I'm not here to preach hooks. I can't save you. I'm not here to preach hooks. I can't heal you. But I know a healer. The enemy hates your message. Get it fixed. He hates your message. What I love is the same message he hates, he's defeated by. He hates, let me say it again to you, your message. So God is clearing things in our mind and delivering us from all kind of stuff that some of us didn't even think was bad. Now you're beginning to feel trouble like, God, I'm not giving you the throne of my heart the way I should. And so he's calling us and he's dealing with us about holiness and purity. He's calling, he's saying, I'm not impressed with your preaching. That don't impress me. I'm impressed with, I'm impressed with your heart. I'm not impressed with that you study day and night. That, that, that impresses you. What I'm impressed with is your ability to turn and believe the very thing you're studying. Some, some churches, they, they eat better than the preacher do because all he does is prepare the food and he never, he never eats it himself. So you can tell that God is after all of us. Everybody say all. From the pulpit to the back of the door, God is after all of us. And you can hear the message of John once again. You got to repent. God's going to tell you something you never heard. You're going to see what you've not seen. Things are going to happen in your heart that doesn't, it's not natural, but it's God involved in it all. So this is why preaching, preaching is so important. And how many of y'all understand this? Preaching. And so he's after what is called forcible and passive rebellion. He's not after just some rebellion. There's certain things that you can just, girl, she just rebelling. Don't worry about it. She just tripping. She just rebelling. No, he's also after that resistance that nobody knows and nobody can see, but God. He's after every aspect of us. He's not leaving what he bought the whole you, not part of you. He's after everything, everything, 
Everything in your mind, everything in your heart, God is after it all. I know some of us, it doesn't matter. You know how we are, right? When my mom raised me up, she beat me, so I beat my kids. It's not, the, he's after the way you treat your kids, the way you love your kids, the way that you deal with your children, the patience you spend. Because children don't spell love, L-O-V-E. They spell it T-I-M-E. They know that you love them because you spend time with them. So God is after everything in us so that he'll get the glory. Because I assure you, all of this is about one thing, and that's about God getting glory. Everything is. Lift your hand up and say, God, I want you to have the glory. Say it out loud. I want you to have the glory. So God begins to deal with us about how we should preach. So God sends preachers into the world to cry out that God reigns, and the enemy hates the fact that you have the audacity in Alaska to build a sanctuary for the message of God. He hates it. He said, I promise you, this still ain't, listen, listen, I assure you, this still ain't with no threat to him until it got in your hands. This cement and stuff was nothing until you put your hands on it and said, we're doing it for his glory. This carpet has no meaning until you start dancing on it. This altar don't mean, and this wood is, people got wood all over the place, but now it's in here, sanctified unto God for the message. It's a whole different battle. Lift your hand up and say, God, thank you for what you're doing. Because God's aim is to exalt himself. Tell me what I said. God's aim is to exalt, come on, say it again. God's aim is to exalt himself. So the theme that God has in this house is that he wants to exalt himself. Not you, not me. He does exalt the, 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 um, the humble. I get that. I get it. He gives grace to us. I'm grateful for that. But ultimately, he wants his name to be exalted and stamped on this place because there's no greater glory than the glory of God. And one of the things that I'm concerned about in modern day is how people cheat God of his glory, cheat him of his honor. Some places I go to, it's like a circus. I, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, really? As a matter of fact, can I tell you how you'll know when real revival comes? Can I tell you? It's going to be when you can have a prayer revival and you have more people in the prayer revival than you have in the power conference. I thought it wouldn't get three claps over here and an amen over there. But. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's no big deal. No, 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 no don't clap now. That makes you guilty. It's just, okay. I'm just saying, I want to gossip. So God wants to exalt himself. Say it out loud. God wants to exalt himself. Listen to what he says in the book of Romans 11 chapter, the 36th verse. From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be only him. The glory, how long? Forever. Everything is about the glory of God. Lift your hand up and say, God, thank you. Glorify yourself in me. When Jesus prayed in the 17th chapter, it was that prayer. God, give me the same glory I had with you before the time. Glory to God is valuable to God. When God gets the glory, you get the benefit. The only reason why you're getting benefit from this building and what you all have done in seven years is because you gave him the glory. So your children are getting saved. Your family is going to, you get the benefit when you give God the glory. That's slow, but it's okay. I, I understand the microphone isn't on. Testing. One, two. Your city gets the benefit because you're building to give him the glory. Anybody got a sanctified hello and hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. Okay. Now, so in other words, God is both the goal of preaching and God is the ground of preaching. The nature of his word maintains the quality in the state of the supremacy that God has in this house. The, the mere fact that God says he's God, lift your, both hands, lift them up high, lift them up high, like you're under arrest, lift them up high. Some of y'all doing that real well, yeah, lift them up high. And tell God, I want you to reign in this place right now. That's not everybody, let's try it again. I want you to reign right here and now. Tell him God, save Alaska. Tell him deliver Alaska. Now, why is this important? It's the zeal that God has for his own glory is witnessed in the object of preaching. We don't preach because that we think we're so much. We preach because he's everything. So in Romans 10, when he says, how, but how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach good news. Let me say this, and I've got only 15 minutes with you. I'm concerned. I'm very concerned. Because there's such a compromise with message. So concerned. I watch what happened, of course, when President Trump was president or former president. I watched churches split, divide. People act ugly and prophesy over each other. Some were just mean, just absolutely cold and mean. I watch attitudes change. It shouldn't have ever happened with us. The world, yes, but not with us. The message is what keeps us. You shot your feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace, right? You put on the full armor, not partial, the full armor. We are in combat. And the combat is for your message. The enemy hates, listen to me please, he hates your message. Little boy, he's 11 years old. He had autism. Couldn't be still. Couldn't, couldn't be still. He hadn't talked, really talked all his little life. He'd make sounds, ah, 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 irritating, ah. He just fought with his mother. His mother was constantly having to, to hold him or something. 11 years old, never said his name, never said mama, nothing. Ah, ah, ah. In one split moment, the message of the gospel that little boy, God healed him instantly. And for the first time, he said, Mama. Started teaching the talk from that moment on. We are in the greatest health, mental health dilemma ever. The world needs the thing that can change and transform the mind. And if it doesn't work for us, ain't no need of you think it's going to work for them. So God has some of us in a holding right now. You're begging God to take you out of things that he's ordained for you to go through. Because he's trying to turn your mind to think different than the way you've been thinking. Listen to me. Some of you have been giving the devil so much credit. He thinks he's, he's getting a Grammy. There's nobody greater than God. Another slow moment for you. There's nobody greater than God. Can anybody compare to his nature? Remember the enemy in the book of Ezekiel, both in Isaiah. Remember, remember what it says about him. Talking about that he's the one that thought that, you know, he can be like God, right? This is true. Can't even compare. I mean, he's a created being, right? He's not infinite. He's a created being. God actually created him. He was beautiful. And listen to this part. He was actually in the garden of God, which is kind of really a trip, right? Because God's not intimidated with what he creates. It's not like God creates somebody's, oh man, wait a minute. Now what he going to do? God's not intimidated by a snare, a trap, or a lie. God's nature is too vast for somebody to stop him. Trying to stop God is like trying to spit on the sun and expect it to go out. You can't stop God. That's like trying to take a sponge and throw it out in the Atlantic Ocean and think it's going to all soak up in that little sponge. You can't stop God. And in our thinking, if we don't turn, we'll start acting as though God is stoppable, which affects our praise and it affects our worship. Talk to me for a minute. I can see why some people don't worship correctly. I can see. I can see why some have that little kind of worship. Oh, Lord. Okay, dear. For he is Lord, he is Lord, he has risen from the dead, and he is every knee shall bow. I can see why the praise is so without energy. Worship cannot be worship unless you think of him. Let me tell you again, worship takes work. You have to quiet yourself to hear the truth about the God you're worshiping. That's why idolatry is something that we shouldn't play with. 
Idolatry is not something that is that has set up on a platform someone and they just bow down. The greatest and the most harmful form of adultery is a thought that is contrary to the God of the Bible and you bow to that in your thinking. So when God comes to you and start telling you, turn the way you're thinking because I want to be glorified in you and with everything that's going wrong that you think is going wrong, I want to show you my glory. But you got to change the way you're thinking because my glory will show up and you'll be dead. I'm trying to teach you something. So it's like God deals with us so heavy to turn and to understand that this is about him and it's about his glory. Everything is about his glory. When God saved my, my daughter Darlene and her little life was just so, just so messed up, God sent her to Florida and it was so amazing how God, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but how God did it. And it was for his glory. It wasn't just because he loved me. I'm grateful he loved me. But it was for his glory. When God saves your loved ones, please hear me. There's no way that you love your son more than God loves your son. He saved him. Can I give you the verse? Can I show you? Listen, let me just show you the verse one more time. We read it, right? How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. This is good news. God wants them saved. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? God wants them delivered. I don't care how messed up they are. God wants them saved. And it's when you can get it fixed in your mind that no one loves to save people like God does. I don't care how tore up they are, how long they've been strung out, how messed up their lives are, how entangled their lives are. God is a savior. Now and forever he saves. Open your mouth and shout for a minute. Wow, he's a savior. So God saved you to put a message in your mouth. While some of us are walking around and the demon and the devil and the imps and the pimps, God is trying to change that. He's trying to get you to start talking about how good he is. God, you're great. No one is greater. They thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for the message of the healing. Thank you for the message. This is crucial. This is good news. And it's not just good news. It's where the news came from. The origin of that news came from God himself. It's personal. He reveals himself to you. Lift both the hands up and say, God, thank you for your power. And thank you for your anointing. Say it out loud. Thank you. In the book of Isaiah, last verse, in the book of Isaiah 48, 9 through 11, it says, For my name's sake, I deferred my anger. For what? My name's sake. For the sake of my praise, I restrained it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own, for what? For my own, say it out, my own sake. For my own sake, I do it. For how should my name, I love this, be profane? My glory, you ready? I will not give to anybody. So I need you to understand that this is all about his glory. God saved your children because it's about his glory. He saved you, not because you were so deserving of it. Because I know some of us, we sing that song. I've been saved all day. No evil have I done. No, stop lying. Sanctified and holy. It, you've been tore up all day. And evil you have done. Now tell the truth about it. Right? He didn't save you because he's not an elitist. He's not looking for the top and the best. That's not what he's after. As a matter of fact, Listen, if you're not tore up, you're not, listen, you're not even eligible for salvation. If you're not a sinner, I'm just saying, I ain't one to gossip. But if you're not a sin sinner, you're not even qualified to be saved. You got to be a sinner for this. If you're not a sinner, then all of this is in vain. It's the fact that God saved us, set out, he saved us. And for what purpose? For his own personal glory. God takes glory to save. And if we don't begin to turn our mind about things, we'll think that glory is gory. And God has to turn the way we're thinking. Because there are dilemmas that some of us are in, and it is personal. It is for his own personal glory. This building is for his glory. All of the trouble that came, God has said, I'm just going to show you what I can do. I know the devil thinks he can stop you, but he don't know. It's for his set out his glory. When God healed your body, who is it for? It's for his. When God delivered you for what? It's for his. Once we can start thinking that way, your whole worship life changes. 
the way you, you want to pray now. I don't understand people in church that don't like to pray. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. I, you don't even want to be around me if I don't pray. I'm, listen, you don't want to be around me if I'm not praying. I'm being honest. You don't trust me when I tell you. You want me to pray. I love prayer. I don't even leave my house unless I have time in prayer. I have to pray. I know hooks. And I've got to spend time with God. I must do that. And I, the older I get, the more I can appreciate God teaching me in my old days how powerful prayer is. And you're going to find you'll know revival when everybody wants God and God only to get the glory. And no one's jealous. No one is tripping. Talking about, well, I, I, took my, I took my chicken to the potluck. Nobody eat my chicken. Ain't nobody tripping over you. You want to leave the church over some simple, silly stuff? That means nothing. It is all about his glory. We honor and we exalt him. We don't have time for minor silly stuff and arguments and foolishness because it's all about his. I've been to one church and one church only. I walked in the church and I asked the guy, I said, I was looking, we were doing a movie. I said, hey, I'm looking for that guy, you know, that, that black guy that was up on the platform. And they looked at me and said, black guy? I said, yeah, you know, the black guy that was on the platform with me. And she started weeping. She said, we don't identify people by color. I said, what? I went like, what kind of sight and vision is that? That you can see people for who they are and not see their color. Well, y'all looking at my color, that's why you ain't saying nothing. <laughs> the last night we get that black man, you know that bald-headed black man, we get him, he gonna come and, you know. Can you imagine being so caught up in the things of God that a color is not even important to you? Because it's all giving God the glory. Let me give you this last miracle before I close. I was praying for women in the scripture. You know, I was using, first I just start praying the way I normally pray. You know, Father in Jesus' name. And I start praying and was doing that. And so I started praying the prayer that I normally would pray for somebody with cancer. God, I curse cancer, this demon on and on and on. I bind the spirit of cancer. You dirty devil, you slew foot devil, you knock needed devil, you bubble lip devil. I mean, I was calling, I was, those are spiritual cuss words. I was, I just, I was saying everything I could think of, man. And the Lord quieted me down. He quieted me. And I was going, okay, all right, Lord, how, I have to say, all right, how do you want me to pray? And the Lord said to me, say, pray for my glory. In the presence of God, there's healing virtue. I just said, okay, God, I started crying because I felt so bad. I'm calling the devil names. And you know how we can get mad. You dirty, stinking, rot, no good devil. You know, because some, you know, you know, some of you, 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 you perfected that because that's how you talk to your hubby. But the, the, the. I'm, just, I'm kidding you guys. Come on. It's the last night. Stop messing around. So the Lord began to deal with my heart in a major way. And I began to realize that when God gets the glory, people get the benefit. It's something about the message of the glory of God that changes lives forever. That young lady went to the doctor and came back and she had the slip and the papers and said, I'm totally cancer free. She never took a treatment. The tumor that was on her breast completely dissolved and God healed her. Now, your, your message, your message must convey that it's for his glory. That's why I don't understand when people want to do praise and worship in their competition. Preachers preach and they're in competition. I don't get any of that. I don't understand that. I don't understand you got to out-sing somebody, out-play somebody. How did I do that? I killed that. I don't understand any of that. Because if, if it's for his glory, we don't care about us. We only care about giving him glory. And when he's exalted, let me tell you, when he's exalted, holiness is exalted. I had a young man, he was gay, came to the church, and he was dressed in a woman outfit and the whole thing. He's bound it's completely bound. I gave instructions. You, don't, you do not attack him. You don't attack him. He's dressed like a woman. You will not talk to him down. You will not walk by and not hug his neck. He's bound. He doesn't know God. 
and he worshiped with everybody, came to the altar and was praying for people. I removed his hands from them. But you can tell he wanted to engage. His mind is tore up. The more he started coming to hear the gospel, what psychiatrists couldn't do and psychologists could not do, the gospel began to break that thing off of him. He started changing his clothes. He was no longer wearing women's shoes. He wasn't trying to get to the women's bathroom. For some of us that think that it's all in your method alone, I want to tell you, without the, pow the power of the gospel, you're just a lecturer. You have no power outside of the power of the gospel. Our boast is not us. Our boast is him. And there's some of you now, you're struggling in your mind. Some of you are struggling in your spirit. Things are going on in your life, and God is trying to get you to turn. Because, you know, we always think that repentance is only for sinners. Why aren't y'all talking now? Don't let me have an altar call. Hello. Some of us, we just think repentance is for God to turn our hearts and turn our minds. Let me tell you, God is dealing with all of us to turn in some capacity and give him more capacity. One, one woman told me, said, well, I would have came back if you wouldn't attack me. I said, I, I need to take. Well, you were on the pulpit talking about me. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. She says, you know, it was me. I said, I don't have a clue. Who are you? She said, I was going to come back to your church. She's talking to me in the store. She was there that Sunday. She was undisturbed for years, undisturbed, totally walking around, thought she had it all together. She heard a message that disturbed her. Sometime good news troubles. She said, you know you were talking to me? I said, ma'am, I don't even know you. When I was there such and such and such, I was right on the third row. I said, I don't know you if you was on the front row. I don't believe that. Somebody had to tell you. I said, listen, I don't know you. She said, well, then why would you talk about me shacking up then? I said, that's personal. That's for you and your boo. I don't know you. I said, how many children you have? She said, I've got five children. And you've been married to the same man? We've been married 15 years. I said, y'all been married 15 years? Does he have a dog? Yes. Does the dog have a license? As a matter of fact, yes. I said, that should tell you something. <laughs> Hello. Get your shots, baby. I'm not going to I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on, you guys. You said it. You were thinking it. So he's going to get a license for your dog and won't get a license for you. Going like, well, we couldn't afford to get married. What are you talking about? You're living with each other already. I mean, like, what's the point, right? Some of you got real quiet. Some of you start going, mm hmm. I love him. I, no, no, I'm just trying to tell you. The gospel has the ability of troubling a soul. And we need to be grateful for it. She did come back to the church. And I did get a chance to marry both of them. And they gave their heart to God. Don't despise and don't try to save people from God and from the truth. Don't do that. Oh, I was in um, Ohio, man sitting on the drums and the word of the Lord came to me and I said, sir, you have 30 days, set your house in order. You have 30 days. And he looked at me strange. I said, I have nothing to do with this. I can only tell you what the Lord said to me. 30 days, strong man, 30 days. He heard, he starts setting his house in order, getting insurance and everything. On the 29th day, he went to work, picked up the 50-pound sack of cement, and fell dead. They call me. I'm in California now. They call me on the phone and said, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? I said, isn't it amazing that God would even give him the message? Some of y'all don't think that that's good, huh? <laughs> Some of you said, don't prophesy over me. <laughs> the thought that God would tell him that his lifespan, sometime news, can sound like anything but bad news. Sometimes mercy feels like anything but mercy. But we need to be very careful. You are to preach the gospel in season, out of season. You are to make sure you maintain to give God the glory. Please do not become just an orator. 
preach the gospel. Lift your hands up. Come on, lift them up. It's the message of your house that the enemy hates. But the gospel is your business. What is your business? Tell me what your business is. Tell me again, what is your business? The gospel is your business. I want every person here to stand quickly. Quick, stand, stand. This altar call is not for everybody. I understand that, but it is for anybody. And particularly if you know that God is dealing with you about turning things and the message has been touching you. Pastor, Pastor Bracken, he's the only pastor that I know that I was with that stood up in Antioch. And God was healing and delivering people. And it was in the month of February, I believe it was, Black History Month or Martin Luther King's birthday, one of the two. And he stood up and he preached a profound message. You all need to find that message in Antioch. Because God was turning the minds in Antioch. He was doing something in Antioch. And he began to quote, I had a dream. And with his voice, I had a dream. He began to quote that whole thing. It shook and rocked people. Let me tell you why that's important. Look at me and hear me. God hates bigotry. You won't talk to me now? Well, my best friend is black. How black is he? I'm just asking. That don't mean anything. My dad was white. He loved me. He cared for me deeply. We'd go to restaurants and he'd say, this is my son. You get him whatever he wants. Put clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. He never cared about anything. And let me tell you, he's the only man that I saw stand in the pulpit and preach and then have an altar call <laughs> about stuff that we're so fixed in. Blacks had to repent. Whites had to repent. Asians had to repent. Everybody was repenting. Stood on a pulpit and with the gospel, people's lives was transformed and they were able to see from a different perspective. You don't have to be the same color to be loved. Now, I do have an issue because I don't know. I'm just saying, I do have one issue. One issue. That's Alaska. Black people. We's from Africa. That's hot. Will y'all pray for us? When I saw Pastor Vince out with no coat, I'm going, he is not black. Boy, you might be the dark of me, but you sure ain't black, brother. We learn how to operate in laughter and joy in each, other, each other's culture. Lift your hands up if God's turning you. God, we don't want to be a professional people in Christianity. We want to be a humble people, a broken people. We don't want to be a people that ignores your nature while we're worshiping your presence. We want to be a people that understand that you don't come in parts and pieces. It's the whole you are nothing. And when your people come together for the purpose of the gospel, every mother that is praying, every father, every person that is giving for the gospel, lives change drastically. Because it's with that gospel that minds are turned. The Holy Spirit moves upon us for that purpose. Lift your hands up. Lift them up high. And we thank you right now for the opportunity in Alaska that the gospel is being preached. Thank you for the power of the gospel where people are being saved. Alaska cannot be the same. Cannot. The devil made the biggest mistake that he's ever made in Alaska. And that was when he let or allowed everything that he threw at us. He thought that we would faint and fall out and walk in doubt. But instead it only fueled our prayer life. We realized that this was about the message of the gospel being preached in Alaska on a hill that only had a barn several years ago. A barn where they came and prayed. This ministry is benefiting from those that prayed. They're not even here no, no longer. Some have gone to be with you. 
but they sowed prayer and they prophesied about a time that Alaska would hear the gospel. And we are part of Alaska preaching the gospel. And we are not ashamed. We're not ashamed. We will boast about the gospel. We will sing about the gospel. We will testify about the gospel. We will dance about the gospel. We will share about the gospel. We'll feed the poor with the gospel. We'll cast demons out with the gospel. We're here because of the gospel. Oh God, empower us to preach the gospel. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.